0: Warning: This podcast contains explicit content from the start. Amnesty Secret Comedy Podcast with your host Julian Clary. Welcome, everyone, to this Amnesty International Secret Comedy Podcast from the Underbelly in Edinburgh, I believe. And I'm Julian Clary, camp comic and renowned homosexual, <laughs> bespoke Nancy boy and taker of cock up ass. <laughs> And how nice of you to all come um, dressed casually as you are. I'm thrilled to the Marrow to be here um, in Edinburgh and there's something for everyone here. And you know, I'm 53 now, which in gay years is 371. (laughs) By rights, I shouldn't be seen in public. I should be in the gay museum behind a glass case flanked by Stephen Fry and Sandy Totsvig. So let's crack on. Uh, We've got stand-up coming your way from the lovely and endearing Carl Donnelly. And also the dour and delightfully deadpan Stephen Carlin. We're going to have a song from one of the stars of the Festival of Spoken Nerd, Helen Arney. And a lovely chat with Britain's most famous pub philosopher, Al Murray. I've got a few things I want to have out with him. And then, if you're very good, I'm going to sing you a song and there's not a power on earth that will stop me. (laughs) And remember, if you like everything you hear, um, keep listening to the end of this podcast to find out how you, the listener, can contribute to Amnesty International's human rights work. But let's get going with some stand-up. He was thinking of being a lawyer. In fact, he was a lawyer. But then he thought better of that. And the legal profession's loss is our gain. Please welcome the very lovely Al Lubel.
1: Thank you very much. Yes, uh, my name is Al Lubel. And uh, nice to be here at Amnesty International uh, performing. And I am a comic. And being a comedian, I am a comic now. And being a comic, I get this question a lot. How did you get into it? Well, the first time, I ever went to a comedy club. One of the first comics I saw that night, he was totally bombing. He was getting no laughs. And then he began shaking. And then he started stuttering. And then he began sweating. And I remember looking at him thinking, I can do that. (laughs) But my name is Al Lubel. That is my name, Al Lubel. Al Lubel. I like saying Al Lubel. Probably because I chose Alubel. Alubel is my stage name. Yeah, you may think Alubel is two names. It's not. It's one name. Sting, Cher, Prince, Seal, Madonna, Alubel. Yeah, one name, Alubel. And Alubel is my stage name. See, my actual name, my real name is Al Lubel. <laughs> it's my real name, Al Lubel. Now, Sting. That, of course, is his stage name, right? His actual name is (laughs) saint My actual name, Al Lubel. And I like both my names, Al and Lubel. That's why I changed my middle name. My middle name is Gordon. My full name is Al Gordon Lubel. I didn't like Gordon, because I felt Gordon distracted and took away from Al Lubel. So I changed my middle name. To another middle name that would not distract quite as much. So now my full name, my full name is Al Alibel Lubel. It's <laughs> so my full name, Al Alabel Lubel. My stage name, Al My full stage name, Al Lubel. <laughs> but my name is Alabel. People ask me who I am, I say I'm Alabel. I'm Allabelle, I'm Allabelle, I'm Allabelle. I'm Allabelle, I'm I'm You know what's strange? The more I say my name, the more y'all look at me like, who is this guy? <laughs> and the answer, Allabelle. <laughs> so one night I'm playing a comedy club on the road, right in the US. I'm doing my act. I'm going on and on and on about my name, as you might imagine. <laughs> this guy in the audience, he heckles me. He interrupts my act. He shouts out, tell a joke. <laughs> so I said, okay, okay, this humor is a little too weird for you, a little too offbeat. You want something more traditional, like a joke? You want a joke joke? A joke? Okay, so these, uh, so these two Jews, that's right, these two Jews go into a bar. Each of them are named Alubeh. I don't think he liked the joke. Anyway, uh, thank you very much, folks. Enjoy the rest of your night. Thank
0: you. AL bell, ladies and gentlemen. You can tell that um, you can tell Al's having a very busy festival because he didn't have time to iron his t-shirt. Now then, I'm thrilled. He's only here for two shows, but he's t- found time to squeeze me in. Please welcome the pub landlord, Al Murray. <laughs> what time is your show last night? Uh, uh seven o'clock. Oh, quite civilised. Yeah. Did, did you have a nice time? I had a
2: lovely time last night, actually. Lovely. And what are, what, what are the themes of this show? What are you ranting uh, about? This, well, this show consists of an explanation of the euro from the pub landlord's point of view. Um, uh, how to save Great Britain from itself, which is basically—this um, is a spoiler—but basically, what you have to do when you get home, you have to wake your children and tell them they can't fucking sing. And
1: <laughs>
2: uh. <laughs> um, oh, look, they're, they're clapping. They like that one. They got there in the and, end. Uh, they got there in the end, and then and then some stuff about uh, Scottish independence, which um, uh, is is good. Fu- which I wrote when I was here last year. And I've been touring ever since, and, that, and I get people going, You can't do that, you won't be doing that stuff when you get to Scotland, really. You know, where better, better for the pub landlord to challenge that notion? And I'm guessing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm guessing the pub landlord isn't pro-Euro is he? Well, he's not pro-Euro, but he's enjoying the chaos So it's a he, he likes the fact that Europe's g- gone horribly wrong. Yes, he likes yeah. to have something to get his teeth into Yeah, yeah, yeah
0: I like that you're talking about him in the third person because I didn't know when I saw your name on the
2: list Whether I was going to get you or the pub landlord. Well, no, he comes out sort of in the evening He's not really used to daytime <laughs> It is odd I d- I, It is odd talking about it in the third person because I I, nor- I don't normally think of it like that at all actually um uh, but it's probably better for my sanity. Because if if he were here, I was going to ask him. You
0: see, in my youth, I had my experimental heterosexual time (laughs) when, uh, no, I know all about the female body and the many erogenous zones that you are peppered with. (laughs) And they all, I believe, during foreplay, need to be tweaked and twisted and stimulated simultaneously. (laughs) It's like driving a helicopter. LAUGHTER um, So I wondered if the pub landlord had ever stepped on the other side. Oh. You know, I was
2: imagining a drunken lock-in. Yeah, well, he, he, um, he used to say a thing, it was nice but I didn't like it. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, that implying that enough. something had happened, but I, the thing is, is it, what, one of the things I've done over the years with the characters that his memory is incredibly unreliable, and there've been things that he remembers and then he's forgotten because he's he's always drunk, yeah. So he doesn't really know what he's done, so which has been quite useful over the uh, over the years, in not actually having any continuity to the character at all. There's no <laughs> canon to the character at all. There's no like, well, he said that in 1998. So you've got to stick with it. No, he's pissed. He's changed his mind. Has is he evolving, though? Yes, he is evolving. Yeah, he's, how's uh, he changed? Well, the big, the big difference, the big, and the sort of thing I've enjoyed doing with it most is in the last two or three shows. I've done it that he's actually come to the realisation that people are listening to what he has to say, and that it's he's the common sense. He's got some he's gonna save the country with some common sense solutions. When you first thought of doing this character, because it's you've been doing it how long now? It's 20 years next year. Did it come to you fully formed? Or no, did... it was a, a complete accident. I mean, I was it was here, it happened in Edinburgh in 1910. Was drink involved? No. F- um, fear and, and, and a deadline, basically. We were doing I was doing a show with Harry Hill over in the Pleasants Cabaret Bar. Oh, um, I remember him. Yeah, he's <laughs> Never, never really made it stick at the fringe, though. He's not here anymore. Um, <laughs> doesn't have to come back, the bastard. The, um, the, uh, we had a show where I, we had a band at the end of the show and I'd play drums in that and then it was all made of bits and pieces. And I'd, had a, I'd come up with something else to compare it when we previewed it in London that it didn't work. And um, the night we started, I said, well, we're in a bar, why don't we say that the compare's not shown up and the bar managers offered to fill in. And he was sat there with his set list, set list trying to remember his jokes. And he went, yeah, well, yeah whatever. And, and, I, and I wrote three things to say and went on and did it. And it, and it was the oddest thing. It just, suddenly, it just suddenly worked. It appeared out of nowhere. Then Harry went on and did his sort of half hour and I'm writing another half a dozen things to say. And then by the end of the run, I had the beginnings of it. And then we went on a tour. At the end of the tour, the act was completely fully formed. Do you, would you ever worry about the
0: audience's that, uh, how can I put this? Um, <laughs> I, I had a look at your O2 DVD yeah. and yeah. there was proper kind of blokey blokes that might be a bit on the right side of the political spectrum. <laughs> nothing wrong with that. But do you worry that people are coming because they really kind of believe what the pub landlord's say? Well, in
2: which or... case, they're insane. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind. I don't mind. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm quite happy. Anyone can laugh at whatever they like. I also think if people are misinterpreting it, it's a hilarious piece of mischief. It's like a cosmic prank. It's like... Uh, it's mischief if a guy sits there agreeing with me, because everything I'm saying is hallucinatory, insane mm. bullshit. And uh, <laughs> if, you, if, you, if you're going along with that, let's hit, and, I've, and I've got their money, it's hilarious. Yes, bums on seats.
1: <laughs> but
2: they join in the
0: shouting and the swearing and everything, don't Yes, yeah, yeah. yes. Well, um, how lovely. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: You're not going anywhere, are you? No, no, I'm. You're going no, to. I'm, I'm and rude. You look very nice. Can I say? Thank you. In I thought a... I should make an effort. I mean, I remember coming to see you at the supper room at the assembly rooms in ninety one. Yes. And the first twenty minutes being about what everyone was wearing, mm. and, I've, uh, and I've always lo- logged it that if, if I ever end up in a situation like this, I should wear a nice jacket. <laughs> well, maybe next time.
0: Al <laughs> Murray, ladies and gentlemen to come, we've got stand-up from Stephen Carlin and a song from Helen Arney. There's more stand-up now. He's our rival in the Top Ten Comedy Podcast, so um, don't be too nice to him. It's the lovely Carl Donnelly.
3: (laughs) Hi. Hi. Sorry. Um, My name's Carl. This is how I look all the time. Um... (laughs) I know, man. It's been a tough year for those of us that look like Rolf Harris. Let's get out of the way early <laughs> doors, it? Didn't see that one coming at all, honestly. What are the chances of it being him? I used to look so different as well. This is great for podcasting, by the way. Uh, but I used to have long curly hair and tinted glasses. And everyone used to take the mick out of me for looking like a bit of a wrong-un. Uh, so a year ago, I thought I'd get my hair cut and get new glasses. And now I look like an alleged paedophile. <laughs> so it's so not great, is it? It's a weird time, this whole, this whole yew tree thing is um, it's a, it's horrible, isn't it? But like, I think I've tried to work out if there's a positive we can move forward with it, uh, away from it, actually, which I think I've worked one out. Especially for younger generations, I think we've finally got evidence there's no such thing as the good old days, which I think has always been a toxic way of living, looking back. You know, I mean, you've got to look forward. And also, like, the way they go on about good old days. It was like it was so amazing. Have you ever seen footage? It looked rubbish, mate. Like up until about 1960, from what I can gather, about 80% of people's days were spent sweeping outside their house <laughs> and like banging rugs and things. Like old people walk around city centres that are beautiful and they look around going, oh, I remember when this was all fields. And you're like, mate, there's a wagon mummer's there. <laughs> that is better than a tree, right? <laughs> this doesn't make any sense to me. And I don't like this whole sort of uh, this harking back, like they try and convince you that old-fashioned things are better than what we've got now, and it's not. Now we have cooler stuff. I went into a coffee shop recently and had this conversation with a man. Um, I said, can I get a cup of tea, please? And he went, yeah, do you want loose leaf? And I said, no, because we invented bags about 40 years ago, mate. Why are you giving me something I've got to make myself? I didn't didn't come for a part-time job, yeah? I came for a tea. But like you'd get angry if you did that anywhere else. So imagine you went into like a bar and went, can I get a glass of the house white? And they just gave you like a bag of grapes and some instructions. <laughs> Be angry, innit? Like my mate Peter Quinn, you can have his full name. <laughs> I don't know why I gave you that. It's 31 from uh, Tooting Broadway, if you want to find him on Facebook. <laughs> he, um, he recently got an allotment, and this sums up everything I'm talking about. This, what, is, what is his problem, right? He said he's getting an allotment, and I just hit the roof. And if there's anyone from overseas who doesn't know what an allotment is, imagine all the hassle of a garden, but it's not at your house. <laughs> what the hell kind of idea is that? I get annoyed with having a garden, because I've got to clean up after it. If I had to get a bus to it, I'd be so angry on that bus. <laughs> I'd be sitting there, <laughs> just livid the whole journey. But he got an allotment. And I obviously said, why? And he went, I want to start growing some food. And I thought my first counter-argument was good. I went, "Uh, you know, there's a Tesco metro at the end of the road. Why are you farming? That's what I said. But the second thing, I actually wanted to understand what he was talking about. So I said, like, what are you going to grow? And um, and I thought this would help me get into his mind frame. And then I don't think he could have picked the worst food. He said peas. (laughs) He's going to grow his own peas. Now my issue here is, why is he growing something that never runs out? Surely if you're stuff, grow something you need an emergency, innit? But no one in this room has ever run out of peas. I think the bag of peas in my freezer came with the freezer. I just chip them off every now and again, and they grow back. <laughs> like, Me and my dad had a to-do, because I'm a proper, you know, I'm a modern, poncy liberal and my dad's an old-fashioned South London geezer who's just, you know, got all these horrible views for no reason. We had an argument about gay marriage, uh, because I'm the biggest supporter of gay marriage in the world. I've worked it out, and possibly for the dumbest reason, I love weddings so much. (laughs) Honestly, they are the, I think they're the only place I feel totally free. Do you know why? Because my favourite pastime is getting shit-faced in the daytime without people judging me. (laughs) Oh, I go to weddings. Two months I get excited before a wedding, honestly. But also I'm all for it for the proper reasons, uh, which is, uh, you know, why would anyone be against gay marriage? It's ridiculous. And the arguments make no sense. Um, One of my favourite arguments to hear, because it's so dumb, is the Adam and Eve line. Have you heard that? When homophobes go, Adam and Eve, mate. Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. (laughs) As if Adam and Eve ended well. They got booted out of the Garden of Eden for being knobs. (laughs) And also, it's the dumbest analogy. Do you know the full story is that um, Adam was made in God's image and then Eve was made out of one of his ribs and they were left to their own devices. Now, sorry to be a bit of a lad about this, but if I was left in a garden uh, with a lady and uh, knowledge I can make more women out of my ribs, I would have a lot of women, I'd be one wobbly mother. <laughs> I'd be <laughs> flopping around the garden, being held up by uh, my harem of women. <laughs> Guys, I'll be Carl only, take it easy. Cheers. Carl Donnelly, ladies and gentlemen.
0: Pro game marriage makes comedy about peas and a nice snug pair of jeans. That's <laughs> what you want in a man. Time for some full frontal nerdity now. It's geek songstress Helen Arnie.
4: Hello there. Um, Yes, I am a geek songstress. I did a show here last year called uh, Helen Arnie Voice of an Angle. (laughs) You all know that's a maths joke, all right? Um, If you enjoyed that, my show this year will give you a large Hadron. But that wasn't a love song. Um, <clears throat> that was a uh, song about the 2001 agricultural crisis and the government's overzealous response to it. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you, Helen. You've got a lovely voice.
4: Thank you very much.
0: Do you write serious songs as well? I was just wondering listening to that because um, you, you, there's a sort of certain poignancy to your voice.
4: I never started writing songs until I started doing comedy. Uh, I started doing stand-up and realised uh, I was not all that good at just talking at people and uh, I had to... Just use, with comedy, you understand that, you have to use everything you've got. You have to use mm. every little inch of, of your personality, everything you can find. And he and was actually doing a cabaret gig with a burlesque dancer. And I said, how, how do you become successful? And she said, you've just got to use everything you've got. Um, so it was music or stripping, basically. That was so that was you, what I was left with.
0: Did you learn the ukulele? Is it a ukulele? It is
4: a ukulele, yeah. Did
0: you learn that for the act, or were you already accomplished?
4: Oh, I, yeah, I used to play uh, oboe in orchestras, and I used to play piano, but the oboe is not, not an instrument welcome in many comedy clubs. <laughs> <So> you, <laughs> have,
0: you have to blow
4: it, don't you? Yes, it really... <laughs> They're and very are... hard, yeah. It's a very challenging instrument. Uh, t- tends, it's a joke itself, the oboe, but, but it's not so good for telling jokes at the same time. Well, so I took up the ukulele, could, yeah. Perhaps
0: you could work that in.
4: <laughs> or you could. I, I can't. Know. I could
0: work in an oboe, believe me. <laughs> <laughs> um I used to... Look, I'm sorry. You're making up your own jokes now. <sighs> There's an element here, Helen. I used to uh, bring a guitar on stage and I can't play at all simply so I could make a joke about tightening my G-string.
4: <laughs> I have snapped my G-string live on stage. Uh, have um, you? I generally, very, Is there I'm a reason- video? <laughs> Not one uh, that I'm prepared to put on YouTube.
0: I was no good at science or maths or any of that side of things when I was at school. Were
2: you? I wanted to be. And uh, I went to one of Brian Cox's lectures recently about a quantum theory thing that he did on the TV. What happens to me is I get nine-tenths of the way in, and then, he, and then he explains some one last thing, and he goes, Nope! <laughs> Afraid not. That's just not going in. My
0: brain can't cope. It's just you, one thing or the other, really. I, I'm sort of far too busy thinking up buggery and oral references. <laughs> But there, there is a whole science world out there. I was looking at your diary, and you're very busy at these things like science festivals, aren't yes,
4: you? Yes, I have a, a, show, a show with my partner, my real-life partner. We do domestic science as well, which is us living our life through the prism of science. We so. all do domestic <laughs> science,
2: don't
4: we? <laughs> we all do. Um, or domestic, or, or pharmacology, whatever your favourite thing is at home. Are
2: you trying to tell us you've got a meth lab home? <laughs> <on? laughs>
0: well, thank you so much. It's fascinating, isn't it, this world. Um, the lovely Helen Arney, ladies and gentlemen and so it's a bit more comedy before I sing. And uh, if you're gonna listen to the end, and please do, we will tell you how you can help Amnesty International, so don't go anywhere. Now, next, he had a secret life as a gambler, and now he's telling us and the world all about it. It's Stephen Carlin.
5: Good afternoon, folks. Hello. uh, I'm Scottish, so I'm the Talking Scot on the bill this afternoon. Uh, I'm Scottish, but I don't drink alcohol actually. Do gamble, but I don't drink alcohol. I don't drink anymore. I should say, I used to drink and I was, I was extremely good at it. Because uh, I put it in the hours. Natural talent will only carry you so far. <laughs> then it stopped. I don't like saying quit. That sounds, frankly, a little bit American. You know, you, know, you meet those Americans, I, I quit drinking. This the sort of people that think they're alcoholics because they drink one bottle of wine a day. Like, bottle of wine a day, that's not an alcoholic. That is the mark of a gentleman. (laughs) Or a (laughs) schoolteacher. Listen, I didn't quit drinking, I retired. There's a very big difference. I'm 36, I did 20 years in the business all in, man and boy. Then just walked away at the top of my game. Which is not easy. It's basically one night I was lying face down in a pool of my own vomit. I thought, you know what? I've nailed this now. Can't get any better at it. And it wasn't just the drinking, I nailed everything about it, all the skill sets like crossing the streets by the most diagonal route possible. Nailed getting home and forgetting how I got home. Yeah, I loved that when you get home and forget how you did it. I think that was the closest my life ever came to genuine magic. You, you know when you wake up and you don't even know where you are and then suddenly it dawns on you that you're in your own room. And they're like, yes. I've done it again. 100% record this week. I have nailed, I don't want to boast, but I've nailed standing at a bar at three in the morning with a total stranger discussing how tomorrow we're going to set up a company together. Yeah, so I don't drink alcohol. I drink beer. Come on, don't judge me. Beer's, Beer's not proper drinking. Look at a bottle of beer, the the contents are about 5% alcohol. 5%? That's a rounding error. (laughs) They may as well say, uh, 95% of this product is not what you'd like it to be. (laughs) Uh, If it's 5% alcohol, what's the other 95%? Water, I reckon. You know, human beings, we're only 80% water. There's actually more water in beer than there is in us. By rights, drinking beer should sober you up. <laughs> Even Scotch whiskey. Only 40% alcohol. When I was at school, 40% was a fail. <laughs> Do you know that human beings share 10% of the DNA of a banana? Science, like, just think about that? All of us t- all of us today, out each and every one of us, we are more a banana than a bottle of beer is alcohol. <laughs> so just shoot it, and see the next time you're pulled over for drink driving by the police and they say, sir, madam, you've been drinking alcohol, you're quite within your rights to look at them and say, well, officer, no more than that, you are a piece of fruit. <laughs> thank you very much, folks, you've been lovely. I'm Stephen Carlin, thank you. <laughs> So we're almost done now.
0: Um, All that remains is for you to go wild and crazy on my behalf to thank our guests, Al Lubel, Al Murray, Carl Donnelly, Helen Arney, and Stephen Carlin. So I thought I'd um, get this off my chest. We've had a lovely afternoon, but this is a song for our gay and lesbian friends around the world for whom life may not be such a scream We're legal now, and almost fit to wed And we ain't sinners, Desmond Tutu said And although I probably won't get queer bashed here I don't think it's cool quite yet to be a queer There's songs that say just shoot us in the brain and in Iran they hang us from a crane and although it's getting better year by year I don't think it's cool quite yet to be a queer in Africa the homosexual male knows loving leads to and then to jail and in that terrifying atmosphere I don't think it's cool out there to be a queer Among the lesbians that I have known was Fanny Ann from Sierra Leone They murdered her Because she made them fear The notion that it's cool to be a queer You may think I ain't qualified to preach But I have all I need within my reach Well listen folks, I want to make it clear I don't think it's cool yet to be a queer a child is born believing he is free to love another unconditionally but then there's those who teach him the idea that it ain't cool to grow up as a queer. So what we need is a different attitude. A way in which relations might be viewed. As long as your affections are sincere. Straight's okay, but it's cool to be queer. Straight's okay, it's cool to be gay. Hooray, hooray, it's cool to be gay. Like I might say, it's cool to be gay. Thank you. Bye-bye.
6: You've just been listening to free comedy, courtesy of Amnesty International. Please make a donation to our vital work. My name is Christian Benedict. I'm crisis response campaign manager, and I've worked at Amnesty International for 10 years. I manage our response to major crisis situations in the world, making sure our global campaigning is coordinated and effective. I'm currently spending most of my time on the situation in Syria, where thousands of people continue to stand up for their rights, defying gunfire, tanks, and fighter jets, to demand an end to poverty, corruption, and repression. They're calling for a future where human rights are respected and protected. I work with many of these activists on the ground to promote our human rights messages and affect positive change. I do this work because I want to help make a positive difference in the lives of those on the receiving end of human rights abuses and those fighting to prevent abuses, but also to challenge those perpetrating the abuses. Amnesty gives me the opportunity to do that. To find out more about my work and Amnesty, then just go to amnesty.org.uk. And please donate £5 by texting FREEDOM and your full name to 70505. Thank you.
2: Your text will cost £5 plus one standard message costing up to 10p. Amnesty UK receives at least £4.75. Please ask the bill payer's permission. To unsubscribe from contact, text STOP to 70505 at any time. Full terms and conditions at amnesty.org.uk slash SMS terms.